0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business, Wonder Women and Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. I'm super excited to have today with me Carly Duvall. She was uh, referred to me by a very good friend you've all heard me talk about, Katie Barnard. So Carly, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, and thank you so much for having me.
0: You bet, any friend of Katie's is a friend of mine. I'm excited to learn more about you. So why don't you tell us all a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, I am an attorney, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a steadfast friend. Um, I'm located in Kansas City, Missouri. I was born and raised here, briefly left for school, but came back and I've been here ever since. And and at this stage, I think it's safe to say I'll be here. Uh, For the foreseeable future.
0: Nice. Well, I have visited, and it is a nice place, at least to visit. I haven't lived there, but um, I do enjoy my time when I go down there, and I have lots of friends, probably some of whom you know um, who live down there. Well, tell me a little bit about what kind of law you practice.
1: I am in our firm. I'm an attorney at Spencer Fain, which is a mid-sized regional firm. Um, we're located in Kansas City. That's our headquarters. But we have um, offices throughout cities in the United States, uh, largely centered in the middle of the country. And in uh, the firm, I'm in part of our white-collar and in government investigations practice group. And so every time I say that, people say, well, what does that mean? Um, And so what it means is that anytime there's a company uh, that is interfacing with the government in some form or fashion, uh, typically I am the attorney that is kind of the go-between there. So I advise companies on how to adhere to the law, uh, how to respond to things like uh, subpoenas, um, how to navigate some regulatory rules that come both at the state and federal level, I do a lot of that, and then I also do a lot of internal investigations for companies. Um, And so, for example, if a company uh, believes that an employee is embezzling funds or there's a concern that there's been a different kind of ethical violation at a company, they'll call me in and I'll conduct interviews, uh, review documents, and come to a conclusion and then advise the company on how to proceed.
0: Oh my gosh. So Carly, I know what that means and I think that's fascinating work. Um that's the kind of stuff I watch on Netflix. <laughs> White collar crimes. Interesting. Very good work. Thank you for doing what you do. Um I would love to offline talk to you more because I think I, I think you would be a great part of a broader uh work broader work that I do. Um I would love to hear more about what you do offline. So Let me ask you this. You say you're a mom. Let's give a shout out to the kids and the hubby. So how many kids? I just have the
1: one. Um, My daughter is four and a half. She will very very proudly tell you she's four and a half, not four. Um, (laughs) Her name is uh, Olive. She goes by Ollie. Um, At the end of the show, I can give my social media contact, um, but I'm pretty active on Twitter and my uh, Twitter and my tweets. Uh, often feature the funny things that she says she is a um, very small person with an old soul and she notices everything and comments on it and so I love to share with other people um, her views of the world and the the things that she sees and notices through her eyes and the honesty and confidence for which she conveys them
0: out of the mouths of babes, right? So I think I have actually I think I've actually seen you um post about her on Twitter. I think that's wonderful. She's quite a little celebrity. Um how fun is that? So well good for you. I, I am a a mother of only one child, but he is now nineteen, but he too has always been an old soul. And so I get exactly what you're saying. It's very special. Uh nurture that never, never um you know, shut that down. Let her be magical always. So, well, um anything else you want to tell us about yourself, maybe how you're involved in the community or maybe how we got to know each other or a little bit about your husband. Yes, absolutely.
1: So, uh with the with the community like I mentioned, um I'm an attorney and and much of my time is obviously spent in kind of what I consider or, or joke about as uh, my day, day job or what I was hired to do, which is the white-collar work in the government investigations. But about a year ago, um, I started an effort within my firm that was really community-facing. And so we, me, we being me and uh, my partner Patrick at the firm, created the Spencer Fane Startup Lab. So what we do with the startup lab is every quarter we take one startup or entrepreneur in the Kansas City community. And we provide free legal services to that startup. And so when- Wow. Yes, and we love it. And it's um, something I've been uh, incredibly passionate about since the start of 2019, when we started to work on it. And so when that startup is in our lab and we are providing those legal services to them, they are no different than any other client the firm may have. And we provide full service legal services to them. Uh, whatever they need during that time. We also um, wanted to make it more than just kind of pro bono legal work. And so we have a portion of the lab where we connect um, the participant, the mentors and the community. And sometimes the mentor is, you know, a company that's more established in their industry or their field that can kind of say, here are the things that I did well and here are the mistakes that I made. Other times we've utilized that piece of the startup lab to connect um, our participants, our clients, to uh, you know potential clients or um, funding opportunities that may develop in that, that manner. Essentially, we're trying to open doors for them that they couldn't otherwise open. And the way that we pull from our mentors, where we find these people to support um, our startup lab participants, there are our clients. They're people that we have represented Um, for years and years and years, and so when we reach out to them and we say, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm calling about something a little bit different. Would you be willing to grab a cup of coffee um, with a young entrepreneur who is just starting in your field? Um, They absolutely say yes. It's a wonderful opportunity for them to, to continue to give into a community and a business community that has given so much to them, and so I spend, um, a significant amount of my time um, with the firm, um, meeting with uh, startup founders and entrepreneurs and letting them know about the work that we're doing there. And then also working hand in hand with other organizations like the Startup Lab that exist to um, support a company in the first 18 months that they're operating and so um, it's something that um, I'm very passionate about. I am so thankful that um, the Kansas City community is structured in a way that really fosters this collaboration and um, this um, kind of community, and so that's really where I spend um, a ton of my time um, when I'm out in the community and kind of out outward, not just sitting in my office doing my legal work.
0: So Carly, I didn't want to interrupt you, but my jaw is dropped. That's possibly, you're like, this is genius. This idea is genius for so many reasons, not just those obvious business reasons, but how kind and how wonderful to build those relationships early on and be there to lift others up. This is the whole business model under which I operate. And I just love that. I've never heard Um, I know lawyers do pro bono work, but like you just described, that's far different um, than what you're doing. You're taking many extra steps and going way above and beyond. And I think this is amazing. I want to write more about it. So after our call, uh, I'll probably pick your brain and ask you to send me some links and some information to share in the blog that I'll write. Um, I've never heard of a lawyer going this far and, and doing this much and having this kind of Really progressive uh, arm of their law firm. That's huge kudos to you. Um, I may well, want. Yeah. Oh, go
1: ahead. I was just going to say what's really interesting about it, and what you know, I think um, people perhaps don't think about, but and, and this can probably develop into a larger conversation, which is. Um, as a woman attorney, you know part of what I have to do is is build my book of business, build my clients. And I know that there are lots of business women in other fields that it's very similar. You kind of have to go out there and sell your products, sell your services, sell yourself. And I spent a decade doing that, and to, to some success, but it was really, 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 really hard. You know, I might have nine touches and kind of get one client back in return. Um, when I started the startup lab, I did it with the prime intention of just filling a need in the community, which right. was uh, to provide these services. But what I have seen reap rewards that I never anticipated is that my visibility in the community has gone up exponentially. The people I can now have conversations with, because they are the mentors in the community that we're reaching out to, or the people who are hearing about what we're doing and giving me a call and say, "I want to have a conversation with you about it." Um, I have achieved more in that aspect of my career—the business development aspect of it, the client-facing aspect of it—in the last year and a half that I've been doing the startup lab that I than I did you know, the first 10 years yes. of my practice doing really the traditional business development things that you're supposed to be doing, you know, which is joining the committees, going to the networking happy hours, shaking the hands and wearing a name tag. Um, I've done those things. I can do those things. They still do those things. Um, but, you know, I, I think all of that is to say that I, I think the advice I constantly give other women attorneys is to not underestimate um how much of an impact non-traditional marketing can do and if you're doing something you love and you're passionate about and you care about i do believe that it will in a lot of ways come back to reap the rewards you need in your business as
0: well i agree so i tr i train a lot for 18 years i've trained attorneys on business development and I do not take the approach approaches that you just mentioned. I take the approach that if you find out what's important to your client or prospect, and then you help them solve a problem or better yet, prevent a problem or even help their customer, you're building relationships and you're doing it for the right reasons. And when you do something for the right reason, like what you're doing here, the money will come. Don't focus on the money. Don't be hungry for the money. Don't worry about the money. Do the right thing, and people who work with you will market you. They will refer work to you. You never have to buy an ad ever in your life. Um, so I love that you are doing the right thing. You are doing good work. You're doing good work well, and I'm sure that this has been remarkable. You don't even need to tell me. Over the, I'm sure that since 2019 and you started this uh, project, that it's just been, you know. I've heard creative ideas, not, not, not to knock lawyers, I'm married to one, I come from a family full of them, I've worked with them for 20 years, but I've never um, seen, I shouldn't say never, it's hyperbole, but I rarely see such creativity and innovation and what a unique and wonderful idea that you've brought to fruition, that's bravo, that's amazing, I can't wait to learn more about it, write about it, promote it, share it with my um, network in your area and have them spread the word. Although y'all all all know each other. I'm pretty sure you probably know my women friends down there. Um, So if not, I'll certainly connect you because you are one amazing woman. Well, let me ask you. you. Yeah. I want to ask what's your proudest professional accomplishment is. Maybe you haven't had it yet, or maybe it's this wonderful startup lab. You tell me. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I, it is the startup lab for all of the reasons um, that, that we just mentioned. And and you mentioned something that really struck me just a few moments ago, um, which is that, you know, you really encourage your clients and the people you work with um, to to find a problem and solve it. And if you do that for the right reasons, the rewards there will follow. And that's exactly what this was. You know, I mentioned a moment ago how strong and and wonderful the Kansas City business community is, and it has a really strong entrepreneur pipeline. And so we, as a city, we were already doing great things with, um, we had a number of accelerators in the community. Um, we had a number of services in place to both provide kind of digital support for entrepreneurs, as well as um, financing and funding support. And that hummed along for, I don't know, half dozen or so years, and we were having some, companies have really great success and nowhere along the way was their legal support. And so this is part of where the idea came from, um, was we talked to people in the community that said, um, you know, we really need to get the law firms in this area supporting all of the work that the businesses are doing. And, and we said, absolutely, we can do it. And then I think that there's an, uh, something I'm proud about that we did. And I would certainly encourage other people to do it. So we had this idea, we thought it was going to be great. Um, we we're going to do free legal services for startup companies. And just like you said, other people, you know, you hear that and you think that's good, go ahead and do that. And we could have just launched like that. We could have launched January 1, 2019. That's what we're going to do. File your application and we'll start performing legal work for you. And instead, what we thought was, well, before we just give somebody something for free, why don't we have conversations with them and see what they actually need? Yes. Took a moment and a step back. And we met with um, nonprofits in the entrepreneurial space We met with, you know, some of the VC funds um, that invest in companies. We met with some other community leaders that have been doing this work. And we said, okay, what do you actually need? And the mentorship piece, which I think makes our lab so unique, the mentorship piece was born out of those conversations. And so So, I think...
0: Has anyone ever said, what a genius you are? (laughs) I
1: I don't know if I've been told that, but what I do know is I do, I am very mindful of uh, some advice that uh, my mother told me a really long time ago, which is that people should listen a lot more than they speak. And so I try to do that often is whether it's with my clients or it's with a witness I'm working with in a case, I try to think, you know, my role so often should be to listen more than I speak. And so um, this is one of those instances where I just thought we really need to be listening. And in the last obviously um, month or two as there's been an explosion of um, civic unrest, but really with activism, a focus on um, having voices be amplified and heard so change can come. I think that that's a great lesson for people to take away with this, is that before you immediately spring to action, take a moment to listen to the people who have been doing the work far longer.
0: I love Um, that advice. I always say that you deny yourself the opportunity to learn something new when all you do is talk and not listen.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Put that on a t-shirt.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. So I really appreciate um, what you've said. This is how I operate. That's the kind of business development I've trained uh, on for years is that you are not to go in and talk about yourself, your law school, your the fact that you're a super lawyer or that you went to Harvard or you are there to Ask them questions about their business, their industry, in their language. Find out what's most important to them. Um, What kind of problems are they combating or trying to prevent? Or what kind of goals and objectives are they trying to achieve? And just be a good listener. Sit as a trusted advisor and listen. So the fact that you um, took this to a whole new level of lawyering, and it's not even lawyering. It's business of lawing, if you will. Mm Um, I love this. This is, I've never, so I interview tons of lawyers, as you might imagine. I've worked with over 123 firms in my career and in-house at three different firms. And I've never (laughs) had a lawyer be so creative and innovative. This is just, and look, I'm going to say it's also um, because women are more, uh, and I know this, I teach gendered communications. Women are more comfortable asking questions. Mm-hmm. um and not knowing and going in and learning new things discovering and veiling and revealing new information so you are you know the perfect you are the perfect example of what to do <laughs> you're the to do picture <laughs> yes that's awesome well, and that's
1: thank you and that's just one of the that's one of the reasons why we're so really proud of that and and why we love focusing so many of our efforts on it. You know, another lesson that I've taken out of the startup lab that certainly influenced um, how I practice law, and I think that there's a lesson there for others too, is that um, I think it's really important to remind lawyers that we can do a lot of good that's not just legal work. And I often say that some of the work that I'm providing through the startup lab to these really young companies, um, you know, just brand new getting off, it's it's not purely legal. And I think that other lawyers would look at that and they'd say, well, you don't need a lawyer to do that. You don't need, you can do that on your own. And that may be true. Maybe they don't need a lawyer. But what they do need is uh, a really smart person that has good judgment who will listen and who will guide them. They need a counselor, Um, they need advice. And so I think it's really, that's something that I've learned over and over again. And I think that, you know, the fact that the startup lab is the free legal services, uh, gives us some of the flexibility to provide that kind of, to fulfill that broader counseling role that I really love. Uh, but so often, I think that you know, lawyers get into the grind of practicing law yes. and billing hours and sending invoices that they forget that that really we are we are advocates and we are counselors, and that extends far farther and has a greater reach than just answering a legal question.
0: Yes, you put counsel back in counselor. Let me ask you: Have you ever read Blue Ocean Strategy? No, I have not. Okay, so it's a classic business book. It came out, um, I, don't, I don't even remember how many years ago, but um, it's recent history. So, you know, it's still out there. You should grab a copy. You should read it. What you have done is engaged in a blue ocean strategy. You saw that there was a gap or a need or a hole and you filled it with something. It, it basically is saying that you create a space in a clean blue ocean, something somewhere outside, something somewhere outside of where everyone else is swimming in the bloodied red waters. You know, you don't just try to compete with other people doing the exact same thing. You find a unique need, a niche, and you fill it, a gap that's important, and you close it. And that's what you have done. And this is like almost a case study for that that book. Read the book. You'll love it. I will. will Absolutely. I'll
1: absolutely read the book.
0: Um, it's so funny because you know i tease lawyers all the time only because I love lawyers i do um I'm that person, the one person on the planet who loves lawyers, but you make it easy to love lawyers if more lawyers were like Carly, then this world would be a better place. so let me ask you um I'm laughing at myself, I do that a lot, Ask Katie. But um, who has inspired you? I know you mentioned your mom gave you some really Mm. great advice, but who has been maybe a mentor or served as an inspiration to you?
1: You know, I have a couple I'll give you. So obviously my mom um, is a huge inspiration to me um, in a lot of ways. She raised uh, me and my sister um, as a single mom for a number of years before she remarried. And at the time, she didn't have a college degree and she worked. Two or three jobs just to have money to for us to take dance lessons and swimming lessons and the things that, um, you know, I can now provide to my daughter uh, and I kind of take for granted the fact that I can. And so so there's two things that my mom really inspired me in me from that is one that it's a good check for me on the moments that are really hard and like working from home and being a mom and a teacher and a caregiver all at the same time for months while we were all um, staying at home because of COVID, you know, I had to continually remind myself that it could be significantly harder and that my education and my career and my job and all of those things, make a lot of that easier for me, and I should never take that for granted, and she always did lesson. all of that. It is a beautiful lesson, and and another thing that she, she teaches is um, she is honestly one of the uh, most uh, positive and happy and um, energetic people you could ever meet. She's just a, a, a tiny little dynamo, and to know some of the struggles that she had, it would, I, I think it would surprise people who only see her sunny disposition. And so, um, you know, I, she, she is Midwest through and through to her core. So I was raised with a kind of, you know, the mentality that you um you pull yourself up with the bootstraps and there's nothing that hard work can't fix and all sorts of little idioms like that were the things that <laughs> echoed through the halls in my home when I was growing up. Um, you know, and she would often say things to me like, well, this is going to be hard, but you can do hard things. and You can do it with a smile or you can do it with a frown, but either way you're going to be doing the hard thing. So, uh, you know, so many of those lessons I carry forward through not just my, you know, life, obviously, but into my work, and and just like you were saying, you know, to some of your clients, if you show up um, with a, to solve a problem with your heart in the right place, and a desire to do good, and kind of, as my mom would say, with um, a smile as well, you're going to be able to to do the good that you endeavor to do, and so she's a a huge inspiration to me, um, and so in
0: every aspect she sounds remarkable and it it seems to me it would be a beautiful project for you your daughter and your mom to work on a little book of wisdom from mom you know write down those things memorialize those things and you know pass those on to your children and your you know your daughter and to her children the things that she said and and how they impacted you you know what she said and what you did did with it um yeah, absolutely. And I've started that. It's so funny that you would say that. We're obviously the wow. same
1: wavelength. I started a journal like that shortly after my daughter uh was born. And so now she's um she'll be five in a couple months. So now it's almost five years old, which is, is crazy. And I've now filled the first journal, but I included in there thoughts like that. And amazing. Right. And I also thought about, and this is for some of the moms out there listening, but I also thought about there are times that my mom shares something and I look at her and I'm like, mom, how did I not know that? And she's like, I don't know. It just never came up. Um, and so I think like, like I should record some of these things about my own life. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the stories, even from before I had my daughter, um, so she knows who, who her mom is because I think children, you know, you mentioned, um, your son is 19. I think children, they, they have this idea of their mom and it's the it's only as their mom. I think sometimes they forget right. that their mom was a remarkable woman before she became a mom. And I try to do in that journal, I try to record those things. No, that's I
0: love that because it gives your daughter, you lead by example, giving her opportunity to be her most expansive self, you know, to find her highest and best and to not just see you in one role and assume that's what women do and that's who women are. So I love that. That's incredible. Um I, Another book, because I'm totally a bibliophile, I read It's crazy. It's crazy how much I read. Um, There's a book I read many, many years ago, probably when my son was first born. So that tells you how long ago. It's called The Mother Line. And it was such a touching book. And it's so powerful. And I'm not slamming men in any way, folks, so don't write me. But I will say that this ability to Um, share, have these shared experiences with a mother from, from a mother to a daughter and another mother to her daughter and the grandmother to the granddaughter is so unique and indescribable and inexplicable in, in regular terms. Um, It's, it's a magical story how, you know, even if someone's never met their mother or grandmother, that there's some energy that's carried through from one to the next and some storyline that's carried through from one to the next. And you'll see behaviors that might remind you of, you know, your daughter might exhibit behaviors that remind you of your mother, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's so fascinating. I just love this. I love this. I am all about um, creating equity in the workplace and equality in the world. And I started my, my business with a focus on women, which obviously includes women of color. But I think that, um, we have for far too long had to adapt and adjust to the language of men. And so I'm trying to not change women to speak men and not change men to speak women, but to make it clear that it's like French and Italian, two very valid languages. But if we don't speak the other language, communication doesn't take place. So I'm trying to raise awareness and then create action where equity happens For women, you know, because the workplace dictates the governance, the rules, the history, the, you know, of all of our operating systems were created by white males. So if you're a woman or other minority, you struggle to navigate within those operating systems. So I love that you're writing the story of your mother's words of wisdom and your lifeline story, if you will, uh, for your daughter. This is how change happens in a most beautiful and uh, comfortable way, I think. Absolutely. I've been
1: jotting down your, your book recommendations. I too am a bit of a book warm. Um, I kind of always have one with me. Uh, You usually have two or three going at one time (laughs) and I'm reading that I have them. Um, and so I've jotted down those, those notes and I would love to dig into these after this.
0: Oh, we should chat. We should keep in touch about what are we reading now? I know that Katie and I, um, we talk almost daily, but, um, we, we all share book recommendations, the women who co-host the Friday podcast called Keep Calm and Cope Coronacast. Mm-hmm. It's a temporary mm-hmm. um, salve for those of us who are stuck working from home and aren't, you know, people who are challenged with this new, new normal. Um, but I would love to incorporate you in the best books I'm reading today list of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, let me ask you this. Um, clearly, I've mentioned more than one, on more than one occasion that I'm about lifting women. And too often women compete and claw and put each other down. And I'm like, stop that. Let's, let's lift each other up. You hurt one of us. You hurt all of us. Uh, how do you recommend we support women in business?
1: So uh, there's so many different reason, uh, ways to do it. One, um, I'll, I'll crib from another woman in uh, the legal field, Karen Pop from Sibley Austin, who uh, created the Women's White Collar Defense Association, which is a professional organization I'm a member of. And in creating that organization um, about 20 years ago, uh, we have a listserv with the group, and it's almost daily, someone emails out, you know, might say, for example, can someone recommend an attorney in Kansas City, Missouri, or I need an attorney in San Diego, California, can you give me recommendations? And um, Karen basically says, um, you should always, in those instances, when someone's asking for a referral like that, you should always um, answer with a woman attorney. Uh, And she says, because you know, the, the legal field is so much male dominated, especially um, when you get into attorneys that have been practicing for 20 years or more, certainly yes. we've made grounds in the, the last 10 or 15 years or so. But once you get into the more senior ranks of attorneys, it's the the gender disparity is even more apparent. And she says, in those instances, even though um, men often work with women who they admire, and they respect, and they believe reform is, with at work when it comes to client referrals when it comes to business development often their knee-jerk reaction is to say well I got a buddy over at this yes. firm, or I know my friend from law school and it is so infrequently that the referral goes to a woman and so she says in our organization it always does um,
0: and
1: that yes absolutely and I try to be very mindful of that um, you know, even outside of the organization, um, you know, when you're when I when I'm making referrals for a variety of of different of different ways, and so that's one I think is um, is critical. And so many of my friends to make a point to um, continue to support women-owned law firms and women-owned businesses as well when they're selecting uh, vendors and other. You know, business services to support the work that that we do as practicing attorneys. So it goes beyond even just when you're, you know, selecting a lawyer. And so I think that that's um, a really great piece of advice. And and the other thing um, I think is, uh, I, and I try to do this particularly now that I'm at a level of my in my career um, where I've been blessed to often be leading the meeting or being the the focused speaker in a presentation yeah no longer an attendee for example but somebody that's kind of directing my conversation and I try to make a point in those those circumstances to turn and ask for the women women attendees input so it oh I love that say, yeah say you know Susan what do you think about that because what I have found is that so often in these meetings um The women, especially the younger women associates, they always have thoughts. They have things to contribute. They have unique perspectives. That's why they're at the table. That's why we bring them um, into the fold so that we can get their feedback on stuff. And then we never take a breath and let them say it. And so I tried to take a moment. And I really learned that from, you know, one of my mentors um, is uh, Pat McInerney. He's an attorney I've worked with for a number of years. He's the leader of my practice group. And uh, we work side by side on a number of cases pretty much daily. And that is something he does. And I think it is so respectful um, to go around at the end of the meeting and make take a point to call on someone who's not yet spoke up and say, tell me what you think. And often, what they think are the words that we should have been listening to the whole time.
0: Very nice. Very nice. I didn't want to interrupt, but I'm like, again, like so excited. (laughs) I'm shaking. I'm like, yes, yes. What she said hire women, create space for women's voices to be heard. When women are interrupted, stop the person who interrupted them and say, I'd like to hear more about what Carly was saying, or I'd like to hear more from. Uh, Kathy, before, you know, she had not finished her sentence or completed her thought. Let's hear more. I love what you're saying. And, you know, someone on one of my podcasts, someone very special to me, actually, she's um, my stepdaughter and she's an investigator for the US government. So she's done quite well. She speaks multiple languages. She's just super bright. She pointed something simple out to me. Um, You and I both agree we should hire women, right? Right. She asked me on my podcast, on my podcast, she started interviewing me, typical investigator, um, who my doctor was and who my dentist was. And and I never thought about it in my very close, you know, in my personal relationships. I hire women for business, but do Mm -hmm. I have a female doctor? Do I have a female dentist? Do I have a female, you know, even, you know those sorts of highly personal relationships. And the answer was no. And I was like, she goes, why not? And I'm like, Oh, you're right. You're right. So I'm always now, I'm always cognizant about hiring women. And I love what your colleagues said about, um, you know, it's true. They'll say, I know a guy, men will, will, when it comes to referrals, I know a guy or I have a buddy. Um, and it's never a woman. And we talk a lot about that in the classes that I teach. Um, you know, the affinity bias that exists and how they uh, work closely or better with or refer more work to someone that reminds them of themselves in some way. Um, so I love that you bring that up. I love that you're aware. It's what I call conscious inclusion is what you're doing. Um, instead of Yeah, instead of unconscious bias, because that, that term, it exists in all of us in, in reality, but the term is sort of di- dismissive. People are like, well, it's unconscious, you know, it's Mm almost like, so I can't help it. I'm asking people to stop, listen, think, and then when they take action, make that action conscious inclusion. And that's what you just said you do. And I'm even more impressed with you now than I was before. Um, and you can imagine of the 180 podcasts that I've hosted to date, um, there have been some pretty impressive people on the show, but I think you're up there in the top five. So oh, thank, thank you so much. You. Yes. Yes. You're amazing. You're walking the walk, lady. Um, let me you. ask you, what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? You
1: know, it's really interesting. And and I thought about whether to, to say this or not, but honestly, the, the biggest challenge I've had is having my daughter and practicing law. Um, having her and coming back into the practice after maternity leave uh led me on a path that led me to to my current firm and so when i had her i was at a, a large international law firm and i was working a ton of hours and the work i was doing was wonderful and interesting and there was a ton of travel and i was working on cases in new york and california and on in all of the time zones across the united states and it was Great, and I learned a lot from it. And then I came back from maternity leave, back into that world, and it was wholly for me wholly incompatible with the type of mother I wanted to be. Yeah. So I struggled with that, and I think that that's a story a lot of women in variety of industries uh, face. And so I don't know that that struggle was unique. Um, But what I did, and what what I consistently said during that time, and one of the things that really, what I found really challenging is I, I just firmly believed there was a better way. I just believed that there was a way that I could still practice law and be a wonderful mother. And and what was also critically important to me was I didn't want to loo- lose the other aspects of myself, the part that was a sister and a friend and um, a daughter and, um, and a person, a whole person. And so what it led me to is it led me to first um, really increase the, the part of my practice that was on um, investigations and counseling as opposed to litigation. Uh, that part, that type of work is a lot easier, I think, to accommodate to a parenting schedule. And, and then the next piece is that I got to Spencer Fain, um, which is a wonderful firm in a supportive environment, um, full of all parents at all stages of their parenting life and, and are incredibly supportive of where you are in yours. Um, and then, like I said, you know, now we've got this, this interesting piece that we've added on with the startup lab. Um, you know, I don't think Uh, you know, it's hard. And I I talk to lots of friends who are in the same struggle. And they're like, I just can't see the path. I want to tell them like, I, I didn't, I did not see that play out over the last four years. You know, I didn't script it out. I didn't say, well, this is step one. And then this is step two. And then in four years, I'll be here, living this life and this career that I want. Um, But I just kind of, you know, did the next right thing for me um and tried to kind of create a career that that fit and gave me what I wanted out of it and so that was hard it was a challenge it's one I'm still working through every day and I know that it's a challenge that's that other people have experienced as
0: well well first of all it's like what maya angelou said when you know better do better right so that's right. the plan right there's not always a um you know, predestined plan that we can, you know, step one, step two, like you said. But also I only recently in the past, I don't know, three years learned of something called the quality of life firm. Uh, It's a law firm that cares more about quality of life and that you, you set your own bar and you contribute in the way that you can considering your, you know, work-family integration. I don't believe there's any such thing called work. We call it work-life balance, but um, it's really integration. You can't be Carly the lawyer from nine to five and then Carly the mom from five on. You're Carly the mom slash lawyer slash all of that all day. Um, And so I met this woman. Well, I knew her. She's a good friend of mine, but I, because we were friends, I never really focused on her capacity as a professional woman. And one day we were at um, dinner together with other people in the legal field. And she is the director of client services at a rather large firm. And she was explaining her firm to um, the former head of advertising, a friend of mine at Microsoft. So she was telling her about her firm. And I, because I've known this woman for a long time, I never really asked about her firm Uh, because our relationship was personal. So she told this woman that her firm was a work-life firm or a quality-of-life firm. And I said, what, what is that? You know, what is a quality-of-life law firm? And she goes, oh, we don't chain anyone to the billable hour. I mean, they bill when they can. They do what they can at the rate they can. And our clients know that we care about reality, you know, real-life issues and the flow of life. Uh, We don't make, and and look, let me tell you, clients love them and they love her. And I had never heard of that kind. I come from hardcore, you know, $1,200 an hour uh, rate, you know, put your nose to the grindstone kind of law firms. So it was amazing to me that they have this sort of work-life integration going on at this firm and it sounds to me like you have found that in this firm where you are now even if it's not called something you have found your groove if you will
1: absolutely you know what's really interesting i spend talking about books i spend a lot of my free time um just soaking up every word that Brene Brown, right? Oh, yeah. uh, (laughs) Yes, I am um, uh, a follower of Brene Brown, and in one of her books, she talks about this concept of, of, you know, healthy boundaries and why you set them, and that basically, if you set a boundary, whether it's on your time or your emotional capacity or in the way you want to be treated, but if you set that boundary, it is not a boundary it's not outward facing. It's not designed to keep someone at bay. It is actually mirrored. It is a reflection of how you view and prioritize and care about yourself. And yes. I think that that's very true when it comes to the boundaries, you know, attorneys and other professional service providers should set with clients in that if you allow your client to treat every problem that they have as in an emergency, if you allow them right. to, come to- um, reach into your time away from the desk and take away from that that is a reflection of how little you value that piece of your life here
0: and, here um, oh my god yes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're exactly right because the moment you say to a client and again it requires listening and con- conversation the moment you say to them i hear you and i understand why this is a concern I would much rather address this with fresh eyes and fresh perspective tomorrow morning. May I do that and give you a call back mid-morning? Every time they say, yes, I'll do the same. That's very considerate of you. Thank you, that's timing is great for me. And yes, there are absolutely times that we are called um, to answer a call after hours, those things come up. I know that that's part of my job, Um, but, but I, you're exactly right. The moment I started doing a better job of setting those boundaries, I think my clients started valuing more, which means they, they start to utilize you more.
0: And you know, it's a show of respect. When you respect yourself first and then you share that better whole person with your client, um, they will respect you too. And they'll say, wow, you know, she knows herself better than I do. And she loves and respects herself than I should too. Um, if you are just, you know, at everybody's beck and call, you know, like a, a dog begging for a bone, that's not respectable and it's not respectful to yourself. So I love what you're saying. I think that, uh, well, first of all, I love everything Brene Brown. We'll, t- we'll talk mm-hmm. offline about my experience <laughs> with her. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Uh, and And funny that you say that because at the time we were having this discussion at this dinner... Um, I had just bought Dare to Lead and recommended it to all six women at the dinner table. Actually, it was five of us at the dinner table. And that woman, who is the director of client services, um, went out and bought it that night. And we started discussing the book. You know, mm-hmm. she has so many great books. I, too, am a uh, Brene Brown fan. So um, yeah, she's like the new Oprah, the the Oprah with the workbook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good description. Yeah. So I love everything you're saying. This is all so important. I hope that men and women who listen to the show understand that a great attorney is one who uh, is first a great person who loves and respects themselves First, and then shares that higher, better person with you, the client. Um, And that's what you want, right? In your uh, professional service providers. So uh, I am all about what you just said. So thank you for sharing all that. So Carly, it is now time in the show where I pull a card from this box of meaningful, thoughtful questions. I call it the wild card question because I did not Folks, I didn't send Carly this question in advance. She didn't prepare for this. So it's up to you, Carly, if you want to take the chance. Oh, let's do it. (laughs) I love that. I love that. See, that's courage. All righty. We're going to stick my hand in the box and pull out a card. Okay, so this card, this is not easy. Oh, my gosh. You might need a little moment to think about it. And look, I'm all about creating a quiet space to be curious and to be thoughtful before answering so if you need that take it if not good for you 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 pretty much know uh yourself here is the question what carly is a topic you have completely changed your mind about oh you're right (laughs) um take your time um So
1: one topic that I I don't know if it's accurate to say that I've changed uh, my mind about, but something that I have made a conscious effort to really educate myself over in the last handful of years in an area that I'm still learning about um, is in um, individuals who are transgendered. And I've been trying to understand a lot better about the comments and the discrimination that they face every day, uh, areas that we all can be doing better, um, how they are often overlooked and missed in other areas of activism, whether it's activism that focuses on um, women and business development, for example, to um, LGBT, rights and to, um, you know, other minorities that are fighting for their voices to be heard. I think that that's a voice that we're not doing a good enough job to listen to. And so um, I don't know that it's necessarily changed any of my views, but I know that it is an area that I am consciously trying to get better at listening.
0: That's so beautiful. What a powerful answer. Um, Yeah, so they are often they feel, and and I get it, I get why, feel invisible, inaudible, not represented. Um, It's still an area of confusion for many. So I think we continue to educate with compassion, listen with intent and not judgment, listen with empathy and not judgment um that's a really great answer carly you just moved to the top three.
1: <laughs> Oh, thank you so much uh,
0: well let me ask you one last question because you're so fascinating i'm sure people are going to want to know uh, how to connect with you so if yes. they want to reach you how okay well
1: i mentioned earlier in the podcast the law firm that i practice at is spencer fane um just like it sounds Uh, you can find us on the web Uh, my bio there has all my work contacts So if you need my work email my work phone line all those things pretty easy to find uh, there that's a great way to reach me I'm pretty connected there Um, if social media is more uh, your event and you like interacting more on that um, Twitter is probably the area I'm most active in and it's super easy I'm at Harley DuBall nothing special, no numbers, no, no symbols, anything like that. Um, I have a unique enough name that I was blessed to be able to kind of commandeer my own email and my own uh, social media handles and things like that. So you can find me easily there. Um, I infrequently tweet about um, legal topics. It's actually a lot more of a reflection of my personal views and musings and thoughts as I move throughout this, you know, buried world so uh, if that's more your bent, then definitely find me there
0: well you have a new fan and a new follower in me for certain i can tell you that and folks look for the blog cast which is what we call it because we write a blog and then we insert the podcast into it. it within 48 hours we'll have it up and ready to go probably post it monday after carly gets to review it first Um, but yeah, so look for that. You are one fascinating woman and I'm going to give Katie a big old hug for introducing us.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you today.
0: Have a good day, everybody. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye.